Doc Holliday from the Believe It Sports Network. He hosts Believe in Rams podcast. And Doc, uh, we're a couple of days away. Uh, are, are you are you kind of anxious about this game on Sunday? Do you still kind of get jazzed up for for uh, for these kind of these football games? No, bro, because I don't get those checks anymore, man. You know what I'm saying? I still get happy. You know, I still get happy for my, you know, my former franchise, especially being in a position like this. But as far as getting anxious, nah, you know what I mean? I, I want them to win, but I, I do understand, you know, football players' mentality, man. They go into the game, especially a game like this. They want to win, but, you know, a lot of times when they lose, they be cool the next day or the next two days once that direct deposit hits. So I'm in that mode where I ain't getting a direct deposit, so I don't be too much off of it. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> they're at home. Is that an advantage, or or or, the, or does the way the NFL present the Super Bowl kind of kind of negate that? No, you know it's always an advantage when you don't have to travel, man. You don't have to go somewhere else and sleep in a hotel for a week or however long they've been down there. You know when you travel to the Super Bowl, so yeah, you know you're still comfortable. You're around familiar surroundings. Uh, you don't have to deal with you know other people and really a lot of outside influences because you can cocoon yourself up in your own house, and you know routes. And so, yeah, that's an advantage. But once the game starts, once you get into the arena, that ain't necessarily an advantage because you're probably going to have an uh, equal amount of fans cheering for both squads. So, But just the fact of not having to get on an airplane and living in a hotel and eating, you know, strange food for a week, man, you still going to have your wife or your girlfriend or your girlfriend and your wife, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just saying, not me. I mean, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, Doc, how, how big a distraction is that two weeks uh, in between the end of the regular season or the end of the playoffs and getting into the Super Bowl? And, and, and how do teams adjust to that two-week period of time before you get back onto the field? You know, during the regular season, man, if you're not hurt, you know, I used to hate having a, a bye week basically and have to wait two weeks to play another game because you don't want to just be out there practicing for nothing because that's what it feels like. When you, when you have a whole week of practice and you know you don't have a game on that uh, on that Sunday, so you feel like you're out there for nothing. But in a situation like this, I would love to have a two-week block, man, before a big game because if you're hurt, if you're banged up, you know, because a lot of times cats in the regular season, they, they, they be playing hurt. They don't be injured, but they be playing hurt. They have a bruise. They have something that's bothering them. They have a sprain. They have a strain, but they push through it. That's the difference between hurt and being injured, but Two weeks before Super Bowl, if you got those little nicks and necks, man, you can let that heal on up and you, you can go out there feeling fresh. So uh, I'm pretty sure they, they're happy about a two-week break uh, from the NFC, AFC championship game to the Super Bowl because it gives them more time to get their bodies back refreshed so they can really go out there and give maximum performance. Doc, with uh, all the, the attention going to be on um, Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup, is this a situation where we could expect like a breakout game for Van Jefferson? You know what? I would like to say yeah, but probably not because regardless of the attention Cooper Cup gets, Matthew Stafford's going to throw him the ball anyway. So he can get all the attention in the world. He's going to get the rock. He's going to get targeted about 13 to 14 times, and normally Cooper Cup catches about eight or nine of those, uh, most of the times 10. So he's going to get his targets even though they're going to be looking at him. OBJ going to get his targets because a lot of them going to be looking at Cooper Cup and they're going to be looking at him as well. But they cannot sleep on Van Jefferson because really all Van Jefferson wants to do is go deep. That's his job. When you come out there, man, you, are, you, you run a deep post, a deep skinny post, you run a fly route, you run a deep dig route. That's what he does to try to get on top of the free safety. So 
Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals cannot forget about him, but I can tell you what, whoever's playing tight end, I don't think Tyler Higby's going to be able to play. I don't know, but if he does, or Kendall Blanton, that's who they need to watch out for because while you're paying attention to all those other dudes, those tight ends be killing them underneath, man, with those underneath routes, those curl routes, and those little shallow crossing routes. So that's who the Bengals need to be looking at, those tight ends, because Matthew Stafford will hit them and catch them off guard. Doc, we, we've talked a lot this week here on this program about, you know, Cincinnati's playing with house money, the Rams that are built for now, and the pressure's on the Rams. Is that legit? Is the pressure really on the Rams? And, and is it really house money for the Bengals going into this game Sunday? Yeah, it's house money, man. Yeah, the pressure is all on the Rams because they went all in. They, they, This is what they did, everything they did for. This is why they gave up a couple of, you know, big draft picks a couple of years ago to get Jalen Ramsey. That's why you give up Jerry Goff along with two first-round picks to get Matthew Stafford. You don't get – you know, I think they even tried to trade away Eric Dickinson as well. And Eric was like, hold on, bro, you can't trade me. Hell, I'm a Hall of Famer. I don't anymore, man. So, uh, yeah, they, they, yeah they, they gave up everything and uh, uh, to get to this point, not only just to get to the Super Bowl, to win the Super Bowl. So, yes, the pressure is on Les Snead and Sean McVay. They said, okay, y'all went all in to get to win a Super Bowl. So, let's see in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, they sucked two years ago when they was 2-14. and 14. They were horrible last year when they were 4-11-1. So no one expected them to be there this year. So they've already accomplished everything that everybody, anything that anybody possibly thought they was accomplished by getting here. So they can go out there and play comfortably, man, because if they lose by 30, no one is really going to give them a hard time. But if they win by two, they're going to shock everybody. So, yeah, Cincinnati, they are playing with house money, and the pressure is on the Rams. Doc, one of the most intriguing matchups for me coming up on Sunday is the Rams' defensive line against that offensive line of the Bengals and being able to move Sam Darnelson in from interior maybe to an edge rusher and give him an opportunity to to really thrive in Sunday's game. Is that one of the big matchups you're looking at as well? Yeah, man, you know, because when you look at at what Cincinnati's offensive line could not do against the Titans when they sacked them nine times, you know, you have to be Aaron Donald be like, oh, I know them dudes that on the Titans are good, but they're not me. You know, so, of course, A.D., but he comes at you anyway. Leonard Floyd comes at you anyway. Von Miller comes at you anyway. And even Greg Gaines begins to push in the middle. So, yeah, that, that Rams defensive line, I'm I'm pretty sure they're looking at that Cincinnati offensive line. They're like, okay, y'all thought y'all had problems a couple of weeks ago. Wait till you see me. But on the other end, they have to be thinking like, God dang, Tennessee Titans literally sacked this dude nine times. And he got up and kept swinging that thing and still won by decision. That's almost like in a heavyweight matchup. You know, you get knocked down nine times. You get knocked down one time in each round like Joe Burrow did against the Titans. You still come back and win the decision. So I'm pretty sure the Rams thinking about that. But they also understanding that you may get to Burrow. You may knock him down. But you see, he's tough. He's going to get back up and keep swinging it and will not lose any confidence and will not have any fear that sets in his mind. Doc, you mentioned it a while ago with Higby more than likely going to be out of this game. Does that make it more of an an influence to get Cam Akers involved in the passing game for the Rams? Yeah, you know, they like, even if even with Higby out there, they have to get him involved in the passing game anyway, man, because, you know, what Cam Akers brings as far as he's quicker than Sony Michelle, he's faster than Sony Michelle, he's more explosive than Sony Michelle. They may have the same kind of hands as far as catching the rock, but as far as pass blocking, they're the same. But Cam Akers is going to be – He's going to be a problem anyway. you got to use him, man, because when you use Cam Akers and when you, you have the play action, you can play action to him, that's going to set the linebackers. Play action to him, sometimes you have him blocked. 
block, and then you call the same play. You throw you throw a screen to him. So Cam Makers is going to be huge because he's he influences what those Sam linebackers and that Mike linebacker. He influences what they do because all Matthew Stafford is he because they love the play action. They want those linebackers to just sit still for about a half a second or maybe a second long enough for Cooper Cup to get behind them, long enough for OBJ to get behind them, uh, to get behind them. So yeah, they're definitely gonna have to use. Cam Makers in that passing game and in that running game, and he's going to have to be effective. Doc, are the Rams in this game if they don't acquire Matthew Stafford? I, I guess what I'm asking, can Goff make the same throws that Stafford can make? Well, I'm going to ask you this. The Rams will be in this game if they didn't acquire Matthew Stafford because it's in SoFi. They would be buying tickets. They would be able to go because they're right there at home. But playing in the game? Nah. If, if the Rams still had Jerry Goff, no, nah, because he had lost all confidence in himself, man. Jerry Goff wouldn't have been able to, you know, overcome tough t- times, overcome a tough play, overcome a tough game without being all down on himself. And it was to the point where his body language used to say it all, man. So I don't think the players had enough confidence to even believe in Jerry Goff if he had a bad throw or a bad play or played in a bad game to even want to play that much harder because they're thinking, okay, he's about to fold up. So. Uh, if the Rams still had Jerry Goff at quarterback, now nah, they wouldn't be playing in the Super Bowl. Not this year. What was the most fun part about Super Bowl week? Man, you know what? It's just the fact that you look – I mean, the fun part is when you're looking at what everybody else is doing. So that's who's really having fun. Everybody else is having fun. You're watching it, but you are in the midst of it. It's good to it's, it's good to go around, and even when you're an unknown player, you know, like when I played for the Rams – only people in Memphis knew me. The people, you know, in St. Louis, some of them knew me because they knew their players. But in a, in a position like this, pretty much everybody has done their research and they know you at the team hotel. They know you out with the, with the players. So getting that, that notoriety and that recognition, man, and that helps you understand and realize where you are and exactly what, what is going on. So it's huge, man. But it's really everybody else that's having fun because if, if, if you're serious about your craft, you're going to be focused on what you got to do. Doc, as a running back, when you know that you're going up against a defensive line that's got guys like Aaron Donald and you got Vaughn Miller coming off the edge and you're, you know, hey, I'm going to have to pick up a lot of these blocks, what is your mindset going in and, and how do you balance that with the regular task of running and, and receiving out of the backfield? I'll tell you this, man. Uh, uh, we was in a running back meeting one. We was in the running back room one time and we get ready for the Green Bay Packers. So we're sitting there watching them. We're watching them, you know, scout film against the Detroit Lions. Now, of course, we had got kind of caught up watching what Barry Sanders was doing. But then they were like, no, look, look, man, we, you know, it was me, Lawrence Phillips, Gerald Moore. We looked up and like, hold on, hold on, coach. So you're telling us you want us to chip Reggie White if he gets loose? Oh, we like, oh, okay, we got you. We looked at each other like, man, hell no, that's going to be a sack, bro. (laughs) 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 You must be crazy. So that's the same thing, man. You know, you got with Joe Mixon, Aaron Donald is not, you know, he had he, he he's not as strong and big as Reggie White, but yeah, you you're looking at him and you're like, okay, uh uh Joe Mixon gotta be like in those Cincinnati Bengals running backs, wherever they're like, okay, because they're gonna keep them in to help pass Brock because Aaron Donald, even when you double team him, he keeps coming, man. He never stops coming. He can play sixty plays and you can block him fifty nine. He's gonna keep giving that same effort on that sixtieth play just like you did against the 49ers, man. So you got to always be cognizant of that. And the running backs be like, God, dang, this is one of them games where I can't even really get out to the pass route because I got to stay here and make sure these dudes don't get loose, man. So, uh, yeah, they're thinking about it, but they're like, well, I got to do what I have to do. 
Hey, Doc, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, your podcast, Believe in Rams, and where we can find it. Well, you can you can find the Believe in Rams podcast, B-L-E-A-P, on, on all podcast platforms, man. It's me and uh, my brother Isaac Bruce. He and I played at Memphis together. Uh, when, I, when I got to the St. Louis Rams, I got there. I started off on the practice squad first. I was in there at camp and balled out. Uh, then they activated me, so we stayed together in St. Louis, man. So, you know, we've been like brothers since 92. So, I, I mean, I made him. He had a one-bedroom apartment in St. Louis. I was like, hey, bro. You make more money than me, so I'm staying with you, my guy, so I can save my money. And that's exactly what I did. Ike was like, look, I keep 5000 in here for groceries or whatever. So in about a day or two, I had all that spent out, man. So that's, you know, I was like, he's like, gross. I was like, no, bro, I've been, I've been hanging out. You make more money than me. So me and my brother Isaac, man, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate the time. Enjoy the game Sunday, and, uh, and thanks so much for being with us. No problem. Thank you all for having me, man. Talk to you soon. That is uh, Doc Holliday. 